Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Faces of TBI podcast series. I am Amy Zellmer, founder of FacesofTBI.com and your host. Today, I am going to be talking with Dr. Jonathan Chung about upper cervical care after concussion. This episode is brought to you by the Functional Neurology Center, a Minneapolis-based clinic staffed by a caring and progressive team of functional neurologists who are leaders in neural recovery and experienced in treating complex concussion cases with dysautonomia, vertigo, dizziness, whiplash, and migraines. They are the concussion doctors you can trust for comprehensive brain health in the Midwest. They've greatly helped me and many others. You can find them online at thefunctionalneurologycenter.com. Hello, I am Amy Zellmer, and you're listening to Faces of TBI, a podcast series for survivors by survivors, raising awareness about traumatic brain injury, one podcast at a time. Those of you who might not know who I am, I am a TBI survivor from a fall on the ice in February of 2014. I'm a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post, Thrive Global, and the Goodman Project, and I'm author of Life with a Traumatic Brain Injury, Finding the Road Back to Normal, which is available on Amazon. And I recently launched the Brain Health Magazine. You can grab your free digital subscription at thebrainhealthmagazine.com. You can learn more about me and the podcast at facesoftbi.com, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zalmer. And don't forget to join my private Facebook group, Amy's TBI Tribe, to connect with other survivors, caregivers, and loved ones. Today, my guest is Dr. Jonathan Chung, and he is an upper cervical chiropractor located in Wellington, Florida, with a practice practice focused on patients with traumatic head and neck injuries. He's published several scientific papers and abstracts in peer-reviewed journals and is a speaker on the topics of concussion, vestibular disorders, and dysautonomia. Dr. Chung is also trained in functional neurology and clinical neuroscience through the Carrick Institute. So welcome to the podcast, Dr. Chung. I am so excited to have you here today. Hi, Amy. Thanks for having me on. Thrilled to uh, talk to you about my favorite topics. Yes, yes. And um, you were just on this year's Brain Health Summit, and we got such great feedback on your talk on the summit. So really excited to um, just continue the conversation today and help people understand what upper cervical care is and how the neck is so important after a brain injury. So um, let's just start, Jonathan, by having you share how you came to work in in the brain injury community. What kind of led you on your path here? Uh, That's a really fun story, actually. So I've been traditionally trained through upper cervical chiropractic. Um, I had most primarily a family wellness and um, you know, just general health practice for a long time. And when I moved to open my office, Keystone Chiropractic in Wellington, um, I didn't know that there were a lot of people in Wellington that were just super into um, riding horses. And oh, interesting. Riding horses, uh, you know, people that ride horses, it's 
kind of inevitable that you're going to fall off one, right? So uh, I took care of a young woman who is a really competitive dressage rider. She fell off her horse um, in uh, the earlier part of the year, and she was unable to ride because she was having persistent dizziness and brain fog, and her balance is off, and she's having really bad headaches. So after uh, her mom had taken her to several other uh, traditionally trained specialists, she ended up coming into her office. And within three weeks, uh, we got her back on the horse again because after we started taking care of her neck, her dizziness had gone away, her headaches were not gone, but they were under better control, and her brain fog had lifted. But she felt well enough where that riding a horse again was, was possible. And from there, it kind of took me down this really deep rabbit hole of kind of getting to know everything I could know about uh, concussion, how I could help deliver good results for people so that it became more consistent. Yeah, and, you know, the it's interesting that you brought up horse riding because that is a realm that wasn't even on my radar. Um, you know, I've ridden a horse maybe once in my life. <laughs> and after mm-hmm. my brain injury, I started meeting so many people who had had injuries from falling off a horse. And I mean, when you think about falling off a horse, that's at least a six foot fall typically. Right. And if the horse, you know, depending how fast the horse was going at the time and, you know, I mean, there's just so many variables. Um, and fortunately most people do wear a helmet, um, when they're horseback riding, but as we know, a, ho- uh, a helmet doesn't necessarily protect you from a concussion injury, um, but it definitely can save your life. Um, so it's really interesting that that's the story you brought up today, um, just because I was really surprised how prevalent equestrian injuries are, and I assume you probably see a lot of them now. Yeah, especially um, when Wellington has its seasonal equestrian festival. Um, We see a lot of people that will come in after um, traumatic head injuries, and the statistics on it are pretty startling. Like About 25% of competitive horse riders are going to have a concussion at some point in their life. And so when you talk to a lot of people that are in that world, it's like they don't necessarily see concussion as – um, something to be feared. It's kind of almost a rite of passage if you're going to be in that competitive equestrian world. So there's a lot there <laughs> to unpack. But um, the good thing is that they tend to be pretty resilient. But the bad thing is it also means they're sometimes a little bit more, um, I guess, less concerned about safety precautions in order to make sure that uh, everything is working well. But it's mm-hmm. it's definitely a big deal. And you know, if you are in a town that has a high horse population, um, then you're probably going to have an increased rate of concussions in that community, um, at least from some of the emergency room data. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and I think it just goes, I guess you could say horseback riding is a sport, but, you know, when people think of concussions, they their mind usually goes to, you know, football and different sports first, but it really can happen from anything. I mean, I fell on the ice, right. And, you know, car accidents is um, falls and then car accidents are the top two leading causes um, of traumatic brain injury. So I know you have worked with a lot of people who have come in and I'm trying to think of how to phrase this. Um, 
essentially you see people because they're having neck issues, typically um, necks, neck issues and headaches. I want to take a moment to just really discuss how interconnected headaches and neck can be. Because I know for me, that's, that's my major uh, lingering symptom, I guess you could say, is, is headaches. And they always, my headaches definitely stem from my neck and my shoulders. Um, so let's take a minute to just kind of break that down and how it's so interconnected. Because I think migraine slash headache is one of the top symptoms that you see across the board with, with a brain injury. Um, and so I think it's an important topic to kind of break down for the listeners. Sounds good, Amy. So headache and neck issues are really, really tied together. Like there's um, statistical evidence that um, most people with migraines do have some sort of (laughs) neck issue, even if they've never had a concussion before. And the fact of the matter is if you've had a concussion, the amount of force that it takes to cause a concussion is very, very likely to cause a neck injury as well. So what we do know is that on average it takes about, you know, 90 Gs of force in order to cause someone to have concussion-type symptoms, and it only takes about 4 to 5 Gs of force in order to cause a whiplash. And we know that whiplash is already something that can cause headaches as well in addition to a concussion. So the overlap between concussion and whiplash injuries is tied together. Now, the reason that neck issues can cause headaches is because the nerves that come out of the top three areas of the neck, C1, C2, and C3, they all link into an area of the brainstem called the trigeminal spinal nucleus. And that's where you feel pain for your head and neck. And the other sensor that causes pain in the head comes from a nerve called the trigeminal nerve. So the trigeminal nerve links together in the same spot as the nerves that come from the neck. So that when you have pain anywhere in the head, neck, and face, they all meet in the same spot. And if we think of pain as like an alarm system, anything that triggers that alarm system has the probability of creating symptoms in the head and neck. So sometimes you could have a headache because the nerves in the neck are firing too much and that's causing your headache. And sometimes you could have a headache because the nerves from the head, neck, and, or the head and face are firing too much and that can also cause a headache in addition to neck pain. So it's up to a trained clinician to try to untangle the likelihood that the problem is coming from the neck versus the likelihood that the problem is coming from somewhere in the facial region. And that's a big Mm -hmm. part of what we do when we assess the neck. And we're also taking things from a functional neurology standpoint, we're assessing uh, what's happening with the trigeminal nerve in the brainstem as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've been um, struggling the last couple of weeks with lots of headaches. We had really gotten my headaches under control. um, But then now with not being able to go see Dr. Schmo or my body work provider. Um, I've been much neglected because uh, I had been gone for a month. I was gone the entire month of March. So I came home to lockdown, right? Um, so I haven't been to either of them in almost three months now. And I've been oh, struggling no. the last two weeks with headaches. I'm like, oh. but you know, they're not as, scary, I guess you could say, when you know where the headache's coming from. Because mine can be pretty stabby. Like, it feels like someone's really stabbing me in my skull. And I know in the beginning, it was really kind of frightening because, you know, you hear about 
before someone has a stroke or an aneurysm, they have the worst headache of their life, you know, is what they say to watch for. Yeah. And so when you're having those like stabby headaches, um, like I call them my ice pick headaches, it literally just feels like someone's stabbing me. Um, you know, they're, they can be really scary. And then once you kind of understand the reason behind it, and I know I've been very neglectful of my, my neck and shoulders. Um, and I know I have exercises I can do. And, you know, once you get a headache, it's too late. Right. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Um, but, but, um, you know, they're not quite as scary once you understand where they're coming from. I mean, don't get me wrong. They still suck and I'm still in bed for a day or two, but, um, at least they're not as scary. So Dr. Chung, what, you know, once you've assessed a patient and you find that they've had a whiplash injury and I know, you know, so people think it's kind of funny that I had such severe whiplash and I literally just fell, right. I wasn't in a car accident. Um, but I, I fell straight back because I was on an incline and I literally, my head broke the fall because um, I was carrying my dog. So my, my arms didn't go down or anything. Um, so my head literally broke the fall. And I have to believe, you know, my head probably bounced a couple times um, as much as it pains me to say that. Um, <clears throat> but I have to believe that's where that whiplash motion came from. Um, and, you know, even looking at sports, you don't actually even have to hit your head. You know, you can take that impact to the middle of your body and that can cause a whiplash motion. I know I can't even watch football anymore because I'm like, oh, whiplash. Oh, whiplash. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, so let's, let's, you know, even just talk a little bit more about whiplash and some of the ways that we can get it that we might not even realize. So whiplash is, when we talk about whiplash, clinically what's happening is the force of your head going in one direction is countered by the force of uh, deceleration going in the opposite direction. So in, in the clinical world, a lot of times we call this a acceleration-deceleration type injury. So if you're thinking about some of the things that can cause rapid acceleration and deceleration, you know, the big obvious one is when you're in a car and all of a sudden the car comes to a really rapid stop. The seatbelt pulls you forward, your head goes forward, and your head whips back. And that's like the classic form of whiplash. But the same type of mechanisms can happen if you take a blow to the body and the head starts to whip forward. And that can happen in sports like football, even in soccer, where that can happen. Hockey is a big source of whiplash type injuries. But depending on the strength of your neck, even minor things or seemingly minor things can induce a whiplash type force too. So, you know, we've seen women who have injured their neck because, you know, they're trying to swing their hair back and then they cause a little bit of a strain injury to some of the muscles of their neck. Um, We've seen people just from like sitting inside of a vehicle where it's just bouncing really rapidly and it's causing your head to move back and forth Mm -hmm. quite a bit. So that can cause some neck injuries in some people or even some people where like it's, they're being just horsing around. Like if you're playing with your kids and then like someone just lightly tackles you, but your neck's not necessarily prepared for it, that can also induce some of these forces too. And one of the big counters to uh, these forces is to really start to have uh, better endurance strength coming from the neck. 
So one of the things that we provide a lot of our patients are exercises to improve the endurance of your neck. And there's also different devices and tools that can help with that. So the iron neck is one of the tools that a lot of physical uh, trainers and um, coaches will actually start to do to train their neck. In football, you can do isometrics. There are, you know, just really simple and easy to do exercises at home that help to build neck strength to try to mitigate the force of that whiplash. Obviously, you know, there's no amount of neck strength that's going to stop you from getting mm-hmm. whiplash from a big accident like a car accident or the hit from a football um, collision, but there's enough there from a strengthening standpoint to maybe make the injury less severe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's been a lot of study into the differences between men and women and how women's necks in general, you know, they're longer and thinner, right, than men. So they don't Absolutely quite have correct. the strength. It's, your head's a little bit more like a bobblehead on a female neck versus, you know, look at a football player. He's got that short, chubby neck, right? Um, yeah. And so there's a lot of research that women are 10 times more likely to first sustain a brain, a, you know, brain injury or concussion. Um, but then like they're twice as likely to struggle with longer effects. And I personally believe that's because whiplash is often overlooked in in an injury and a woman who has all these lingering symptoms. Plus there's the whole realm of women are written off as just hysterical, but that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> but the, the whole concept that our necks are different, the neck strength is different in men and women. And um, the whole whiplash component I think is often overlooked in females in particular. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. And when you look at the numbers, like, We know that for women, especially women athletes, soccer is probably the highest um, chance of suffering a concussion-type injury. So when we compare women's soccer concussion rates compared to men, it's not even on the same playing field. The women suffer a lot more head injuries um, playing soccer than the male counterparts. So neck strength probably plays a very strong role in that. And just getting on a basic neck strengthening regimen can probably help alleviate some of the injuries that are going to come into play from there. Mm-hmm. So, Dr. Chung, once you have a patient and you've assessed them, um, how how is upper cervical different from traditional chiropractic? You have a lot of similarities, but then there's some major differences as well. For sure. So from a um, standpoint of uh, looking at uh, some of the, so the big philosophical difference between upper cervical and traditional chiropractic care is upper cervical chiropractors will focus in on the top two or three segments of the neck. And the idea is if we take really good care of the neck, that there's a really good chance that a lot of other problems in the body will, will resolve if we take good care of the neck. And that's because the most neurologically impactful part of the spine tends to be the upper neck area. When we contrast that with the traditional chiropractic model, we're looking at, you know, if there's some type of dysfunction that that area of the spine, then we're going to intervene at that level of the spine. When it comes to upper cervical work, there's a high level of specificity in there. So we look at, you know, really minute misalignments of the top of the neck 
And the way that we correct them is we try to use a really precise force in order to fix that misalignment. And because we're using such precision, our techniques tend to be very low force. So when people think about chiropractic, like a lot of people think about what's called high velocity, low amplitude manipulation, where, you know, that's where people think about popping their neck or cracking their neck, which Mm -hmm. works for a lot of people. And it's really effective for a lot of people. But some people that, especially if they're that popping sound makes them very apprehensive, then upper cervical chiropractic is able to make very precise corrections in that area without having to use very much force. Most people that get an adjustment from me, they don't really feel very much during the adjustment itself, but in the hours or days after I've completed an adjustment with them, they'll start to notice some physiologic changes, whether their head feels less heavy, they feel a little bit more balanced, or their symptom starts to change or hopefully starts to go away. Mhm. Yeah, you know, I've always been a big supporter of chiropractic. I I had been married to a chiropractor for almost 10 years and it was always my first line of defense, so to speak. Um so when I first had my brain injury, I immediately went to the chiropractor cuz I knew I probably had whiplash based on um how much <laughs> how much my head hurt. Um, you know, and he, he, you know, I had a lot of torn muscles. I had dislocated my sternum. I had whiplash. I had headaches. Um, you know, and so how, how does someone who has, who, (laughs) how do you try to help someone who's never been to a chiropractor and they're apprehensive. There's a lot of, for whatever reason, there's a lot of apprehension out there about chiropractic care. Um, but how do you try to help someone understand what you do? Um, I hope that that question makes sense. Yeah. So like when it comes to chiropractic, especially like with a lot of um, therapies that are considered alternative medicine, there's always a little bit of worry that, you know, mm-hmm. what they do isn't real and that, you know, the stuff that um, they're, they're peddling is pseudoscience and um, that's going to be a waste of money or at worst, it's going to hurt you. And, you know, we want to acknowledge all of these fears because when it comes to trying something new, there's always a little bit of risk involved with that. So the biggest thing that we can tell people is like, listen, like, we'll explain our approach to you and we'll evaluate your health history and what you could count on from me and a lot of my colleagues is if we don't think that we are going to be able to help you achieve your goal, then I don't want to take your case because that's going to make me look bad. Because when it comes to um, what I do, like my reputation means everything. And that means I only want to take on cases that I think are going to be successful. And when we talk about the science of how the net impacts the brain, it seems to make a lot of sense to people. So when we take things from Mm -hmm. the standpoint of, listen, it's not just about adjusting you. It's about restoring something that is abnormal currently and making it normal again. So the adjustment is just our mechanism for doing that. And our goal ultimately, especially from an upper cervical standpoint, is I want to adjust you as little as possible. So the end goal is within a short period of time that you're going to come into our office and you're not going to need an adjustment because when you don't have to adjust you, then that's really the ultimate goal for the upper cervical chiropractor. Once people hear that, then it tends to take the, it makes that conversation a little bit easier 
because they say, oh, this guy isn't going to want to just see me like three times a week forever for the rest right. of my life. Right. He wants to get me to a point where this thing is going to be stable so that you can make sure that you can go and live your life normally again instead of having to visit the doctor all the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so that's leading me to the next point I want to make, too, is you also integrate functional neurology into your practice. And, you know, having worked with Dr. Schmo, um, I would say the majority of my treatment was not traditional chiropractic. Um, you know, he would adjust my ribs and my shoulders because, um, my my rib cage I wasn't getting full breath um so he had been adjusting my rib cage because plus you know keep in mind I had dislocated my sternum in the fall um so I had a lot of messed up stuff in my midsection um but honestly he really didn't adjust my neck much at all which surprised me right because you know I had Mm-hmm. you know, been going to chiropractors for years and years. Um, and it actually surprised me that he didn't adjust my neck much. He did other things. You know, we did the eye exercises because the eyes are connected in through the neck and um, he did other therapies with me and, and um, like strengthening exercises from my neck as well. Um, so talk us through a little bit more on how you integrate the functional neurology into what you do with upper cervical. So one of the big aspects is that, you know, when you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? So if you have one tool in your toolbox and you're going to try to attribute every single problem to whatever you have that tool for, when you look at things from a neurological standpoint, you see that multiple factors affect that the person's well-being and life as a whole. So through my functional neurology training, we've been able to identify when someone might have more issues coming from their vestibular system, for example. So if we think that their vestibular system is a problem, then we might, you know, do head-eye exercises or we might turn them and have them practice doing vestibular therapies. If someone is having eye movement problems, you know, we could fix the neck and the neck might help improve the eyes a little bit. But if they're still having lingering eye deficits, then we have to give them eye exercises in order to address those specific problems. And when it comes to something like concussion, there are several different phenotypes of concussion, which means there's lots of different presentations. Some people are more visual dominant symptomatically. Some people are more vestibular dominant symptomatically. And obviously we see a lot of the neck dominant symptomatology. So it's just about identifying what do you think is the primary driver for that person's level of symptoms and dysfunction, and then you try to address the thing that is going to give them the most bang for their buck, meaning that, you know, at my heart, I'm an upper cervical chiropractor, but if I see someone and I know that they're having benign positional vertigo and that's driving their dizziness, then I'm going to look towards addressing that positional vertigo first, and then we're going to work our way towards some of the other systems as they come about. And functional neurology is not necessarily necessarily a therapy per se because you can't just you know functional neurology someone but it's about <laughs> seeing, it's about seeing the clinical world as a whole and seeing all right this is the person's primary driving factor let's address this and then we'll come back around and work on some of the other areas so we can optimize the person's neurological function mm-hmm. yeah and you know that <laughs> that was a great point like uh 
you can't functional neurology someone. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, because that, you know, I just did a whole podcast uh, last week with Dr. Lavich about what is functional neurology. Um, and, you know, it is, there's so much misunderstanding around, around what is functional neurology. Um, and, <laughs> and, you know, do you want to just take a quick minute to kind of elaborate on what is functional neurology? Yeah, so functional neurology is a way of assessing and looking at a person and seeing where they might have these neurological deficits. And some people have gross neurological deficits, like if they've had a stroke or if they've had a concussion, and other people have more subtle neurological deficits where, you know, maybe one part of their brain called the cerebellum is not working quite as well, so that means that their coordination on one side of their body is a little bit worse than the other side. So functional neurology takes the idea of, you could have pathology, which is the realm of a conventionally trained neurologist, and you must need to get that taken care of. Or you could have subtle deficits in neurological function, and the job of the functional neurologist is to take these subtle deficits in neurological function and elevate them so that the person can function at a higher level. And functional neurology isn't just about, you know, doing something to someone. Like we said, you can't functional neurology with, you can't do functional neurology to someone but the functional neurologist is going to use a variety of evidence-based therapies and apply them in the best way that they can in order to improve the functionality of the area of the brain that we suspect isn't working at its peak performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the, the simplest way I try to explain it to people is that functional neurology looks at the entire body and how it is or isn't working. Um, whereas a neurologist is, um, you know, your more traditional medical neurologist is um, they want to diagnose. They're looking more for mm-hmm. um, a disease, right? Like a MS right. or Alzheimer's dementia. Um, and, excuse me, and functional neurology is looking at the body as a whole. And, you know, for me, I kept saying it was my eyes, my eyes, my eyes. And everybody's like, your eyes are fine. Your eyes are fine. Um, And then I found Dr. Shmo and he's like, yeah, it's your eyes. (laughs) And it was like, woo, someone believes me. Um, So, you know, it is, it's looking at how the entire system works. And, you know, he found that my left side, my gait wasn't right. And I wasn't moving my arms when I walked, you know, like he found all these other bodily things that nobody else had even looked at. Um, so, you know, I just, I can't say enough about it, but, um, you know, uh, I just, I appreciate all that you do. And I have heard so many people having great success with upper cervical. Um, and the, the other name is NUCA. Um, what does yes. NUCA stand for? So NUCA stands for the National Upper Cervical Chiropractic Association, and people that do NUCA use the technique that's pioneered by that association. So basically a low-force hand adjustment to the top area of the neck in order to optimize the biomechanical relationship of the head on top of the neck. So at the end of the day, our goal with upper cervical is to put your head back on straight. <laughs> Gosh, isn't that what our parents told us to do when we were little? Get your head on straight. Um, Absolutely. (laughs) So, Dr. Chung, we are just about out of time. um, And I just want to ask if you have any final parting words of wisdom for our listeners today. So, 
I run a blog called Protect the Neck, and you can find it at protecttheneck.com. And if there's anything that I could pass on to our listeners is pay really close attention to the health of your neck because the neck is one of those key aspects of the nervous system that is really underappreciated. So take care of your neck, protect it from harm, and then you know do things to help strengthen it and make it better um, every single day, especially if you're going to be an athlete that's playing sports. You know, that neck is that vulnerable spot that can cause a lot of problems for people in the future. So, you know, take care of your neck, take care of your brain, and find an expert that's able to, you know, assess and manage that for you in the case that you ever do get injured. So, you know, go to uh, nuca.org if you ever want to find an upper cervical chiropractor. Um, and obviously, you know, find a functional neurologist to assess your brain as well whenever something like a concussion or a traumatic head injury does occur. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for being here today, Dr. Chung. And I do have, I just put in the show notes as well, um, protecttheneck.com, um, as well as chiropractorwellington.com is your website. Um, so I did put those in the show notes. Am I missing um, any of your websites? Uh, if you want to visit my practice website, it's uh, chiropractickeystone.com. Uh, and then you can find out information about how to schedule an appointment with our office if you want to see me directly. We're also offering telehealth currently because of the COVID-19 outbreak. So if you ever just want to talk to mm-hmm. me virtually and get some recommendations virtually, then I'm available for that. And you can find me on social media, at Twitter, at Dr. Jonathan Chung, and on Instagram, at Keystone Neuro. And those are all the places where if you ever want to reach out to me, I'm pretty active on social Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here today. Um, And thank you for rescheduling. Uh, Last week I had a major headache. So (laughs) thank you for Mm -hmm. your flexibility in rescheduling and just keep up the great work, Dr. Chung. Um, It's always such a pleasure to have the, the time to chat with you. So thank you for being here today. My pleasure. Thanks, Annie. Feel better. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode with Dr. Chung. And um, just another reminder, his blog is protecttheneck.com. And again, another big thank you to our sponsor, the Functional Neurology Center. They're the concussion doctors you can trust. Find them online at thefunctionalneurologycenter.com. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer. And don't forget to join Amy's TBI tribe on Facebook. Thank you all so much for listening. And thank you for being a part of my journey. Have a great day, everyone. And I'll see you again next time. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.